All right, if you would take your Bibles today and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 12. John chapter 15, starting with verse 12. Remember Jesus, this is probably the last week in Jesus' life. He's, he's teaching the disciples. He's trying to catch them up, if you will, and trying to get them to realize that he's fixing to leave. He's going to be hanged on a cross and so on and so forth. The day is coming. He's told them that three or four times already. And so he says this to, to his disciples in, in John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What a great verse. Man, we love that. Love each other as, as I have loved you. Boy, we take a lot of time thinking about that in these days, that we need to love one another and care for one another and so on and so forth. But this passage of scripture goes a little bit further past that and says, love each other as I have loved you. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you go back to the 13th chapter of the book of, of 1 Corinthians, he lays out what God's love looks like. So as I go through this list, I want you to think about all the people that are around you, all the people that you work with, all the people in the church, all the people that you know in this area, which would be a lots of folks. And I want you to think about your love for them. Does it look like this? Patient, kind, it doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It's not rude or self-seeking, and it's not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always perseveres. Man, when I, when, when I think about my love for people, that it starts waning. I think, oh, yeah, I got a lot of people I love. Mm, I don't know if I match up to this list. In fact, I realize that to the point that you cannot match up to that list, it's impossible. You can't make it happen. You can't produce that inside of yourself. The only way you get that kind of love is to allow God to love through you, to love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, and then daily to sacrifice yourself, to daily to lay yourself before him and say, God, I want to love the world like you love the world. Wow. It's the only way we get those attributes, that kind of love that God wants for us. And in verse 13, we, we use this a lot at Memorial Day. Greater love has no man than this than he's laid down his life for his friends. And then immediately Jesus said, you're my friends. You know, I said this not too long ago and I was reminded of it again this morning. I never thought about when I was a soldier back in those days that I was going to die for Billy Kirk Metter. I never thought about I was going to die for Brent. I thought about I'm going to die for my country. This is, you know, if, if I have to give my life for my country, that's fine. But Jesus came just for you and just for me. He had us on his mind. He knew who we were from the very beginning of time and had a plan for us. So Jesus died. It was very personal for you and I. He didn't have the whole world on his mind. He had us on his mind. Wow. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And then he says this. You're my friends if you do what I command. Notice that's a conditional statement. You're my friends if. You're my friends if you do what I command. Well, what does his commandment say? And we've talked about that. The, the Paul says if you can keep these first two, you can keep all the rest. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And to love your neighbors yourself. 
Jesus said, on those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, all. You say, well, that sounds simple enough. Well, it is simple enough, but it's not easy. And it's not just any kind of love. Well, yeah, I love God. You know, I, I've read all the Bible verses. I study my Bible in the morning. I, I, uh, I, I spend some time with God every once in a while. And, and so I love God. I try to do right. I try to do well. But the love that Jesus is talking about is that love that I just read earlier. It has all of those attributes. It's, it's unending. It's, it's a love that encompasses everything. That's the kind of love that God has for us. Romans 5, 7, and 8 says, Very rarely will someone die for a righteous man, which is a preacher. You know, nobody's going to die for no preacher. But for a good man, it might be possible. It's interesting. Nobody's going to die for a righteous man, but for a good guy, you know, yeah, you might. But then it says right after that, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, and by the way, that's defined in the Bible as haters of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. That's what kind of love God's got. To lay down his life for those that don't even, don't even acknowledge him, that don't like him, that hates him. That's the kind of love that God's got for us. God demonstrated that love for us. He says in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. He says this in the 14th chapter. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Those who love me, keep my commandments. Wow. What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And then to love each other. That way. Notice what it says in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last forever, by the way. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Notice that happened twice in this little passage of scripture. This is my command to love each other. So I did not choose you. I mean, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We get that kind of messed up. In our day and time, I, I know a lot of people, we, we were talking the other day about, uh, about the, the armor of God. I think it was last Sunday morning, we were talking about the armor of God. <laughs> I see a lot of Christians today, and I know they're Christians, I know they love the Lord, I know that, that they're serious about how they, but they don't, they're not sure of their salvation. Have you, have you seen those folks? Man, I don't know whether I'm saved or not saved. Have I done enough to get to heaven? Have I, have I, have I, well, I, I compare that to a soldier who pulls off his helmet and gets hit upside the head. He's walking around stupid. He don't know what, he, protected his head. He don't know who he is anymore. Salvation wasn't yours to begin with. Jesus, you didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you from the beginning of time. You didn't choose to be saved. God had already chosen that you would be saved. I came to seek and to save all that are lost, Jesus said. It's not your gift, it's His. The gift of salvation didn't come because we died on a cross. It came because Jesus Christ died on a cross. He made that way possible. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, it's not something you can take back. It's not your gift to start with, it's His. I chose you. And appointed you. That word appointed in this passage of scripture means sanctified. I set you apart. Wow, do you realize that? That God didn't just choose you. He knew exactly who you were and what you need to be. And he appointed you for just this moment in time. Wow. 
Why do you live in the United States? Because God put you here. You know, God could have just as easily, you could have been born in Mexico or Guatemala or Russia or Africa or wherever. But you weren't. God chose you from the beginning of time and knew where you were going to be born and knew how you were going to grow up and knew what he wanted you to do. And he appointed you to bear fruit. What does that mean? It means that if you go back to that passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 that the fruits of the spirit are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. No, Sheila, you can't sing the song. He wants you to bear those fruits out of your life and those fruits coming out of your life will draw all men to you. You'll be like a magnet because people desperately need that in their lives. God wants to spread that to the whole world. He wants to fill you up with that. And that fruit that, that is bare, I've seen it happen at least twice in the last few months. Some young men that I know of that accepted Christ and their whole demeanor changed. Their whole life changed. They're, they're in the same situation they were in, which was not a great situation. And guess what? Now they're wholly different from the inside out. Why? Because God, somebody helped them to know who Jesus was. And now that fruit was just popping out. Bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. Notice what it says also. In verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. I bet you hadn't thought that too much, have you? If the world hates you, I, I used to have a guy that, that uh, when I was a youth minister way back, but that's way back in the day, when I was in the youth ministry and, and we got to be pretty good friends, he was a mechanic and he came to me one day and he said, hey, I need you to pray for me. He said, I hadn't had anybody come in there hating on me in, in, in a month. He said, I haven't had nobody come into my shop just angry and upset with me in a month. And I, I kind of laughed at that, but he was absolutely serious. He felt like that if he was living the life that he was supposed to, because every car that comes into his place, he prayed over, and there's never been a car that he didn't fix. Never. And People disliked him because of his faith, because he was very outward with his faith, very outward. Some people leave his shop angry because he shared the good news of Jesus with them, and he was going to pray over their car. They didn't like that. But he said that to me. I thought it was the strangest thing, but you know, I realize now that we're not of the world, that the world we're different from. And if we're not, something's wrong. What he was saying to me is, hey, have I become so much like the world that the world doesn't hate me anymore? They don't see Jesus in me. They don't see the one who, who can save their soul inside of me. I think it's a fair question for all of us to ask. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Jesus, can you imagine all the miracles he did? We didn't, they didn't have all the great um, things that we have, all the media and so on and so forth. And, and cell phones and so on and so forth with that and all the medicines and he just went around healing thousands and thousands of people and feeding thousands and thousands of people. Miracles. And yet they hated him enough to kill him. Wow. What about you in your life? 
Do people see Jesus in you? Does it offend them? It should. It should sometimes. Not that we're offensive, but just walking around. I've, I've been in a few groups, maybe more than a few, over the years where I made people feel very uncomfortable. Not because I said anything or did anything or wore a nice suit, but because they knew that I was a Christian. That I knew that I served the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's not happening to you, you might want to review that part of your life. He says in verse 33, I've told you all of these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. There's a goal. Heaven is real. It, I'm going to be there one day. I hope you're with me. We're going to be there in that place and rejoice. But until then, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble. I don't know how many of you realize this. We, we talk about uh, on Memorial Day, all these guys that have made that commitment to the Lord. Well, I made that same commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I will be willing to die for him. And I told the Lord that exact thing in, in 1984. God, if you kill me, I'll do what you want me to do. I was miserable. And so I made that commitment to the Lord. And, and, and if I live that truth out, then there's going to be war in my life every day because Satan ain't going to take that land down. You need to realize the fight is real. And you're part of that. You're part of the army of the Lord now. So, here's the things I want to get out of this pastor's scripture this morning. First of all, to review our love. Do we really love each other as Jesus loved us? Do you really love the people right next to you and the people around you and the people that, that are close to you? And I'm talking about your, your inner group, that ten people that you have influence over. Do you really love them as Christ has loved you? Would you be willing to give your life for them? I saw this passage of scripture for the first time um, this week in a new light. He says in verse 15, I no longer call you slaves. The word that's used there is the word doulos. It's used throughout all the New Testament. It's used 400 times in the Bible. And it means house slave or the lowest servant in your house. Jesus says to them, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. Wow, because I've made known to you everything that the Father has. And God's done that for us. Couldn't we share that with the world? Couldn't we love the world enough that we share the love of Jesus with them too? What a great opportunity. You know, I think about almost 3 million people have either given their lives, and I get tired of these commercials too, the Disabled veterans of America and the, and the wounded warriors and so on and so forth. But then I start thinking about that those guys gave a part of them for us. And I think about all of those, those people who have given their lives for us. And all of it would have been unnecessary if the world knew Jesus. If the world knew Jesus, wars would cease. If the world knew Jesus, there would be peace. If the world knew Jesus, there wouldn't need to be wars and rumors of wars. If the world knew Jesus, 
we'd be different. Our world would be different. I think it's possible. One day I know it'll be possible. But I think it's possible. It's up to us, God's people, to share him with the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Father, for those that have gone on before us who have carried the stick of faith, Father, who have shown us, God, how to fight this battle between good and evil. And I thank you for those that have given their lives for this country, Father. We praise you for them. God, we thank you today for the rain that's come all over our, our land. God, we've prayed for it, we've hungered for it, and God, you've brought it. We thank you for that, Father. What an awesome God you are. Thank you for this day as we leave this place. May we look at ourselves and see, do we really love like you love? Do we really lay ourselves out before you every day and go, God, today, love people through me. Thank you, Father, for this time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Sheila to come and pray, play a hymn of invitation. God's inviting you right now to think about that love quotient that you have for people. Do you need to go before him today? Repent, come to him. Do you need to lay yourself out before him and go, God, I haven't measured up. Would you help me? Would you give me your love today? As Sheila plays. Thank you for being here this morning. To remind you, next Sunday afternoon, we start the, uh, the end times study. We'll be starting with the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, I believe. And so I hope you'll be excited about that. It's going to be a good time together. We're going we're gonna to run a pretty good road. So I hope you'll, uh, you'll be here for that. Um, also, next Saturday, we have the men's breakfast, 7 o'clock instead of 7.30. So guys, uh, somehow these preachers said that, that you guys thought we were burning up half the day at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm an early riser and I'm still thinking 7 o'clock. But 7 o'clock it is. We'll be there. All right, any other word before we go today? Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this time together. I thank you for being able to meet, having the freedom to meet in this place with, without any fear, Father. What a great privilege that is. 
And God, we thank you that you meet with us every time. God, we give you praise for all things. We leave this place, Father. We, we just leave with rejoicing today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.